changed. Yeah, it was, yes, indeed. Well, yeah, now I can lead in a little bit to what I want to say, because I want to carry on a bit from last night. So, um, what, what we felt was, last night, um, that it was a, a sort of a watershed time. You know, it was, it was the beginning of the new year, the new Hebrew year of, of uh, 5775, and uh, Mary talked a little bit into that, and... Uh, but prior to that, we'd felt uh, Christina had been chatting to me and said, I think we need to blow some chauffeurs and uh, to kind of herald in this new season because we felt like it was a, it was a new time uh, and that in a number of ways the church is coming out of captivity and into freedom in a number of ways which we will explore today what that actually means. <laughs> And, uh, but really, the kind of shout went up, didn't it? I mean, it was, it was loud. It was very loud. And we had about five chauffeurs up here driving cars. Um, and kind of really blew the trumpet. Uh, but the thing was, it was, uh, we, we also read, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm saying. <laughs> oh my goodness, my brain is mush. What have you done? We have Luddites in our midst. Um, we read out the scripture from Haggai it, uh, in two, and if you read it, kind of over over lunch, it it actually very coincidentally said, if you look in the New King James, it says, "As of this day, the twenty fourth day of the ninth month, I will bless you from this day forward." The twenty fourth, and it was the twenty fourth of September yesterday. Now, it, didn't, it doesn't actually mean that. Whoa! But of course it does mean it. <laughs> because the, that's what the Word of God is like. It is alive and it can just come and quicken to you in a moment. And suddenly we thought, yeah, as of this moment that we declare when the trumpets were blown and the declarations were made, we entered a new day. A new day of freedom and an end of captivity. And uh, I have had no idea. Someone mentioned to me at about half past ten last night, oh, by the way, do you know you're speaking tomorrow? And uh, I said, ooh, am I? <laughs> at which time I was kind of half brain dead. And, uh, but I felt like the Lord saying, as I woke up this morning, that, well, let me start off with a story. Um, let's have a look in, in Second Kings uh, chapter 6. And um, I just feel this is, like, quite significant for us at the moment. What I want to, like, state and declare is the season has changed. The captivity is over. It's done. It's a new day, right? Now, what you've got to do is convince yourself that that's true. That's the, that's the step that we're in at the moment. And so, uh, the Lord brought to my mind this um, scripture this morning. We'll just read a bit of it out. Uh, ho. 
what am I looking at? So, yeah, from verse 24, let's go from there. And it happened after this that Ben-Hadad, the king of, Assyri- of Syria, there we go, old Syria again, it all kind of keeps cropping up, doesn't it? History repeats itself. It has to because no one listens the first time. And, um, yeah, the, uh, the, whoa, yeah, Second Kings 6, 24. It happened after this that Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And indeed, they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth of a cab of dove droppings for five shekels. A delicious little treat in that part of the world. Pudding, yes, main course. Um, and I think there's a, there's a lot of uh, symbolism in those things. Uh, I heard someone once say the dove's drop, dropping is what's left after the dove has left. <laughs> and uh, <coughs> Anyway, so, and the situation is just terribly bad. And this, this story, I won't read it all out, but one uh, woman comes to the king and says, oh, will you mediate for us? Because uh, we made a bargain, my friend and I, that we would eat uh, my son one day and then uh, eat her son the next day or whatever for a dreadful situation. Um, <clears throat> but then, which we did, they killed the one son and then the other one changed her mind and and so on and it was that point when the king um, heard the words of the woman he tore his clothes and as he passed by on the wall the people looked and there underneath he had sackcloth on his body and um, you know sometimes things have to get pretty bad don't they before we will finally give up and admit that we're in trouble and that we need him we need him we kind of try and sort everything out in our own means. And I, I, I sort of recognize this whole pattern of uh, coming to the end of our resources. And uh, good morning. Are you roaring like a lion? Like I was a minute ago. <laughs> and, um, you know, we've... we've um, the Lord's made a lot of big promises over us as a church and a people. And um, when we first received them, we thought, ah, oh, yeah, kind of being quite motivated and able people, we thought we could do this, we do that, we can move this, we can get kind of these trusts to help on this and, and all of this. And you begin to think of how you can do it. And then suddenly, something changes and the Father just starts stripping things away from you. <laughs> All the things that you've been relying on, suddenly, like the business doesn't get quite so many orders, suddenly the kind of offerings go down a little bit in the church and everything gets a bit tight and you think, hang on a minute. And um, we've had about two years of this, actually. In fact, ever since you came the last time, you prophesied it over us. (laughs) And... um, you know, gradually everything gets stripped away. And I was, te- I was telling the guys um, in the prophecy group y- yesterday about the word the guy gave you in the bar, which was extraordinary, which kind of put a bit of clarity on it. But I- I'll tell you this, and don't kind of c- get me on the theology of it all and everything. I don't understand how it works, okay? 
Indeed. Just bear in mind, he can prophesy through a donkey. So, Bryony was working. We were going through this journey together, I think, in kind of separate ways, uh, Bryony and uh, our family. whole family was going through it. And um, it was like a lot of things weren't coming about and we didn't understand why. We should be blessed. We should be prospered. We should, this should be happening and everything. And, you know, Bryony was trying to break into her um, sort of chosen career of... Uh, uh, producing for film and TV and all of that sort of stuff and but was having to work kind of late shifts in the restaurant and the bar and everything to kind of just get enough money to keep things going and stuff and she's in there one night quite a while ago and um, there's a, the one local who's left uh, in the, on a Sunday evening or something and uh, he's sitting there with his pint and kind of looking into it correct me if I'm wrong uh, there may be a bit of artistic license in this um, <clears throat> looking into his pint and it's all kind of quiet she's going about kind of cleaning things up and just tying no one else in the bar and then suddenly he looks up from his beer and says you know Bryony you know what's got to happen you've got to come to the end of your own resources before something can happen and then went back to his beer and uh, kind of no discussion no, no kind of like talking about it and all of a sudden and Bryony came home and told me and she said I think God's speaking to us. <laughs> and we've actually been through quite a long process of that happening, of gradually everything that we've trusted in, everything that we think we are able to do, everything that we've kind of lent on um, in order to see things happen has gradually been just stripped away or limited in some way. Uh, so that on the surface, now here we are thinking about you know, a ministry school, a little bit like this, but kind of permanent and lots more people and a building and all sorts of stuff, possibly spending lots and lots of money. And we haven't got two beans to rub together. It's hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. God has said to do this. He's kind of given the vision. He's given the word. And there is just kind of nothing there. And I feel like it is like the Lord saying, just like he said to Gideon, as we were hearing last night, you know, your army's too big. When it, Gideon came with, how many did he start off with? 5,000, was it? Sorry? 32,000 he started off with. And gradually, the Lord stripped it away to 300 to go up against tens of thousands of enemy. And, uh, and he said, it is so that you won't say when, we've def- when you've defeated it was by my might and my power and by my strength that we were able to defeat the enemy. It was by, you know, God gave us that power. And the same thing happens in Deuteronomy 8, doesn't it? Where it says, when you get into the land which I'm giving you um, and you're living in your big houses and you've got your kind of nice lifestyles and all of that, don't forget, it is the Lord who gives the power to generate wealth. Okay? It is, it is he who does it. And the Lord often takes us through that lean time just before the breakthrough is going to happen. And this is the case here in this siege of Samaria. Okay, so they've got down. They cannot go any lower. They are eating ass's heads, doves' dungs, and have resorted to cannibalism even within the nation. And the king just kind of loses it. And uh, <coughs> basically then, right, so he had sackcloth on his body. 
And then he said, God do to me and more also if the head of Elijah, son of Shaphat, remains on him today. But always blame the prophet, that's what I say. (laughs) (laughs) But Elisha was sitting in his house and the elders were with him and the king sent a man ahead of him. But before the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, do you see how the sons of a murderer have sent someone to take away my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door, hold him fast at the door. Is not this the sound uh, of his master's feet behind him? And while he was still talking, the messenger comes and knocks on the door. So then we go on to chapter 7, I think. And the king comes, basically, to the house and says, why has all this calamity come on us? And finally, when he has the nerve in a rather arrogant and brutal way to inquire of the Lord through the prophet, Elisha responds to him, hear the word of the Lord, thus says the Lord, tomorrow, about this time, a seer of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. And an officer whose hand the king... uh, uh, who's an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said look if the Lord were to make the windows of heaven open how could this thing be and he said in fact you shall see it with your eyes but you shall not eat of it so Elisha said back to him so the, the assistant to the king said this can't possibly happen it's absolutely impossible uh, but through his unbelief and through his declaration Elisha said you will not taste of it. And then, (coughs) let's kind of fast forward a little bit and um, we'll go to where there are some lepers. Sorry? Is that the next bit? Okay. I'm sorry, my brain's still a bit mushy. Verse 3. So, now... There were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? And if we say we'll enter the city, the famine is in the city and we'll die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we'll live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. So we're going to die, we're going to die. So we might as well do something and die. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses and the noise of a great army. And so they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired us against the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. And therefore they arose and fled at twilight. And they left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. And then they came back and entered another tent and carried some from there also and went and hid it. And then they said to one another, we're not doing the right thing really. This is a day of good news and if we remain silent uh, if we wait um, if we wait here until morning light some punishment will come upon us so now let us go and tell the king's household so they went 
and uh, called the gatekeepers and said, we went to the Syrian camp and surprisingly, no one was there. Not a human sound, only horses, donkeys tied and the tents intact. And the gatekeepers called out and they told it to the king's household inside and the king arose in the night and said to his servants, now tell me what... Now tell me what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we're hungry and basically they're trying to entice us out. Um, but in the end they say, okay, let's go out and have a look. And sure enough, there's no one in, in the camp there. And of course, the unbelieving uh, guy who had made the declaration that that can't possibly happen was actually trampled underfoot in the rush and died that day and did not taste of any of the plunder that was there. Now, I think there's something kind of that this really, really connects in with what we were saying last night. And um, because Mary was talking about how the Lord has released angels into the heavenlies to do battle for us. You know, sometimes we can get very siege, uh, have a siege mentality, if you like, that we're under siege, and, but we don't actually realise that the day has changed. This is, this is where we're at at the moment. I believe last night something happened and the whole situation changed for us. It is like different. It's a new day. And I was saying last night, whatever you come to, pretend like it's the first day that you've ever done it. Because it is a new day and you, you haven't been this way before, okay? We are in a new season. But our minds will tell us that we're still in the old season, okay? It's that siege mentality where so the Lord has won the battle outside he's driven the Syrians out they've fled for their lives and uh, but everyone's still sitting inside doing the carving of the dove's dung and the donkey's head you know and carrying on with the way that they were because they don't realise and it took someone the lepers who were just so desperate desperate leprous um he said, look, what have we got to lose? If we stay here, we die. If we go out there, we die. So, at least they might feed us before we die and we'll get one last good meal. So, they take a risk and they go out and find that it's completely changed. Yeah, indeed. Amen. And uh, I feel like the Lord is saying, you know, There is something that needs to go on in our minds at this time. We need to have some renewing of our minds. Uh, I think in Romans 12, 2, it says, don't be conformed to this world, but, be, but allow God to transform you by the renewing of your minds. Okay? Uh, everything, I believe, that stops us from stepping into anything of the kingdom is in the mind. It is, that's where the battles go on. And it, it talks in that scripture in 2 Corinthians 10.4 where it says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God to pulling down of strongholds. And it goes on to say how we take captive every thought and bring it into the obedience of Christ Jesus. And, you know, it is the, the battles go on in our mind. We convince ourselves. That's where the enemy whispers in. It's very rarely, as can sometimes happen in Uganda, like full frontal demonic 
attack type thing. It is mostly in the mind. It's like the serpent coming and saying, did God say that you can't eat of all the fruit and all of that sort of stuff? You know, he, he puts a question in your mind and he puts a doubt in your mind and then backed up by a bit of experience, you settle the case and say, yeah, he probably didn't. You know, it probably was me just kind of making that up and everything. And you end up talking yourself out of things. And what we need to do now is to allow God to transform us into new people. And how do we do that? How do we do that? By celebrating all the good things that are happening, like the good news that happened this morning, like all of these kind of very coincidental things that are going on at the moment, all of which begin to build up a case to say, God is really on the move. This really is different. I mean, honestly, I think I am kind of given for prophetic sort of signs and words and directions and seasons. And, you know, those that have go to the lighthouse chest know that I'm, I'm interested in all of that. But I have never in all my life seen such a convergence of prophetic signs, seasons, dates, words, all coming together to point right at this literal week, you know, this time, this kind of new, this new year that we've entered into. And I am firmly convinced in my mind that we are going into something which will see the beginning of revival in our land. You know, we... We're going to go into a process now where, so it's happened in the spiritual. Those enemy, those uh, angels were released, battle was done. The enemy is running scared. He's kind of leaving the scene. And um, we are going to go through a process in the next 12 months, I believe, where God renews our mind and opens our eyes to this fact. And we will become on a daily basis, more and more and more convinced. And that's where I think this kind of five-year cycle of seeing more and more and more, having it renewed and updated each year, I think we're going to progressively step into it until we believe that absolutely nothing is impossible with God because we'll be into a completely new arena, arena of experience with him. So, I could get on to my word now. Um, so we've had um, you know been talking about this release from captivity for quite quite a while and I, I spoke about it on Sunday night at the lighthouse but just to recap we we've, we believe that the Lord has spoken in, from Jeremiah 29 uh, 10 to 14 about and it's the verse that says this is what the Lord says you'll be in Babylon for 70 years but then I will come and visit you and do all the good things I have promised uh, for you. And, uh, you know, in that, in that whole scripture, let's kind of read the rest of it. I will bring you home again. I know the plans I have for you. They're for good, not for disaster. A future and a hope. When you pray, I will listen. When you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will end your captivity. I will restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations and I will bring you home to your own land. Now, this is the season we're stepping into. And 
I want to kind of just look very briefly, what does that mean? What, does, what is that captivity? And what does freedom from it, stepping into it, really look like? And I think the Lord is going to begin to unlock some specific areas, and it's probably in line with the scrolls, but I haven't done the correlation because I didn't have the information and all of that, but it sounds similar. So, one of the things I think is going to happen is revelation is going to come in much clearer. That was definitely one of the scrolls, I remember that. And eyes being opened and all of that sort of stuff. But revelation is going to come. And let me just share to you a dream that I had, and I think you've heard this from a little while ago, but we haven't stepped into it yet, so I'll refresh it and bring it. So, I had this dream, I um, can't even remember when it was now, but maybe, maybe a year ago, I don't know. Um, anyway, I'm in this dream and I'm in a room um, with, a, with probably about this number of people and Nathan was there, I remember that, and we're kind of chatting around and just kind of chewing the fat and doing stuff. And then all of a sudden these words start coming down from the ceiling, these sentences, and fixing themselves onto the wall and onto the furniture and onto the stands and onto the floor. And they are sentences and I'm reading them and thinking, oh my goodness, this is the will of God. This is God speaking to me. And I have this amazing sense of well-being kind of fall upon me. Now I know what to do. You know, it's like instruction because... So much in our Christian existence is, is blighted by double-mindedness because you're not quite sure, is that what God's saying? What does that actually mean? You know, someone interprets it one way and another, another, and all of this, and you're kind of just a little bit double-minded and it stops you from stepping into the fullness of actually where the Lord is leading you. And I believe when... When revelation starts becoming really clear, really crystal clear, when the Lord starts showing you exactly who to talk to, what to say, when he starts kind of taking you by the hand, step by step, what you should do in that particular day, we are going to see a whole new realm of kingdom experience unlocked. So these words start coming down. And uh, then we move on to the next phase of the dream. Uh, there was w- one of the words in there which Heather was alluding to. The other was, go to Scotland and find Mike. That's one of the ones I remember reading. So we have yet to actually go to Scotland and find Mike. So if you've come across one up there, then let me know. Um, the next phase of the dream is we're up on a stage, the worship team, and there's a, it's a big, big worship team. Interestingly, John, from your word you were saying, when you were seeing the worship team all the way along the wall, but there was about 20 of them on the stage. Okay, and all kind of milling around, getting ready to lead some worship. And um, I have this feeling in me that I have to proclaim Isaiah 55 over the congregation. And in my dream, I have no idea what Isaiah 55 is, um, but I just know that I've got to proclaim Isaiah 55 over the people. And so I'm saying, Nathan's beside me, and we're getting ready, tuning up, getting our instruments, and... Uh, I tell him that that's what we've got to do and uh, then after a while he turns to me and says Phil, now's the time proclaim Isaiah 55 and so we all move forward to the front of this stage and it's a big stage it's like in Lichterminster School and the whole worship team forms themselves into an arrowhead 
like a, a V, a flying V for those of fans of Mighty Ducks. Um, you know, where the, uh, and I'm sort of right in the middle. I'm not at the front, I'm right in the middle of the thing. And I get my Bible out and flop it open to Isaiah 55 and I'm about to proclaim Isaiah 55. Still no idea what that says. Then that bit of the dream finishes and we move on to the next bit. And I'm standing inside like a temple, an ancient temple, like Indiana Jones and the whatever, Raiders of the Lost Ark, all of this sort of stuff, you know, with whips and hats and and um, vines and that sort of thing. And I'm walking around on these big old stones, kind of really worn, smooth, big flagstone type things. And I walk up to the edge of this temple and there's a river running down the side and the river and the stones are at the same level. And I'm standing on the edge of this river and this slightly disembodied voice beside me says, cast in your line. And suddenly I've got a line in my hand which wasn't there before, which is kind of neat. And I throw it in so there's no rod, no hook, no bait, no reel, nothing. It's just, it's like a bit of string. And I sort of toss it in. And straight away, this fish fixes itself to it. This big fish fixes itself to it and the voice beside me says pull the fish in and so I pull I pull I pull and this fish comes in really easily and because the water and the stones are at the same level I just pull it straight on to the stones and this fish is like from here to that wall it's a big fish it's a seriously big fish and I'm looking down at this fish and I start feeling a bit sorry for it and I want to put it back in the water so it doesn't die. And this voice says to me, no, you've got to let this fish die. It's for your provision. Okay, so there's not that a cool dream? That is like, that is really cool. And um, I went back. Obviously, when I woke up in the morning, I thought, that is a God dream. Let's write that down. Some of them are pizza dreams and you can't make head and tail of them. That was a God dream. And so I immediately looked up Isaiah 55 and, you know, it's the one that, it's the full game. Ho! All you who are thirsty, come buy wine, come buy milk, you who have no money. Um, which, yeah, it, I mean, that, that's interesting. But then it goes on and, and it says, in my version of the Bible, the New Living, which I'm enjoying reading at the moment, it says, come to me, with your ears wide open. I think other versions say, incline your ear to me. Um, Come to me with your ears wide open. Then it says straight away, listen to me and you will enjoy life. And then it says, hear me and you will eat the finest affair. Three times it says it in a row. Kind of, come to me with your ears wide open. Listen to me and hear me. And it's saying, come, 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 listen, 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 listen. And so suddenly I'm thinking, okay, there's a thread to this. (laughs) There's a little bit of a journey that it's going on. We need to get the clear revelation. We need to get the word of the Lord released to us. We need to get that specific revelation that will enable us to catch the big fish. And what is the big fish? Don't know exactly. Something to do with provision, I think. And that that will become clear. But I believe in this season, hearing the voice of God is tantamount. It really is. It is like, it is 
I think Tenta's just a little bit bigger than Para. So, so um, but it is important, let's say that, because <laughs> it is really important. And in, in a way, uh, I can't remember who was saying it, maybe it was Bryony, it is the one thing, it is the one thing that Mary chose to sit at his feet and listen. Sit at his feet and listen. The one thing, you know, I... I, I I knew that IHOP did the One Thing conference at the end of the year and kind of never really understood the significance of it, but obviously that's it. And the one thing is to just position ourselves to be able to hear, align ourselves to hear the Word of God. And I think out of everything, everything that's going on at the moment, to position ourselves at the feet of Jesus and listen to his voice is going to be the thing that's, that gives us the keys to unlock situations, to move forward, to, I think it will lead us into a place of incredible intimacy with him, because the only way you can get into intimacy is not through lying on the floor and going through a birthing experience, interesting as that is, it doesn't actually lead you into intimacy, actually the only thing that leads you into intimacy is communication and it is sharing of hearts. It's kind of understanding who your father is and him speaking to you and you speaking to him and it's that flow of communication that actually increases the level of intimacy and that's where we need to be in these times. So, clear revelation is this one thing. That, so that, and that's one thing, you know how it said at the beginning of Samuel, in those days the word of the Lord was rare in the land. And I think that's part of the captivity thing. You know, we've had good, good bits of revelation coming, but it has been kind of a little bit sporadic, particularly in this country, I think. There's not been very many prophetic voices that speak out at a national level to actually give guidance, to give direction. And uh, in fact, the, the one who, who really does that is the American lady. <laughs> What's her name? Sharon Stone, yeah, who, who kind of relocated over here to do that. And I think that is something God is going to rise, raise up in these days. A clear, prophetic call in the land. Okay. So the next thing I think he's going to do is to do with the cancellation of debt and the release of things that hold people. This is all forms of captivity that have held us back from being able to move forward wholeheartedly in the kingdom. And um, for those of you who have heard this little bit of story before, I believe wholeheartedly this is going to happen. You know, one of the things is revelation brings faith and confidence. That's what it does. And sometimes, you know, you think, I can remember someone saying to me, the clearer the revelation, the harder the task is going to be. So get a little bit nervous when it comes very, very clearly. Okay, but this one thing has come to me extraordinarily clearly and has, has become an anchor in my life. You know, when I begin to doubt, some, you, do, you do doubt from time to time and you think, am I kind of completely lost it? Am I going raving mad, you know, and have I lost a grip on reality? I go back to some of these things which have just, um, I cannot deny. So here's this thing, I'm going, and you have heard this before. I was going, I, I was over a season of time I was seeing number patterns. Now, okay, bear with me. I may sound a little bit kind of loony, 
But when I looked at the clock, it was saying like 5.55. When I see a number plate go by on a car, it had kind of 555 on it. When I was like <coughs> looking at a frequency on a, on a radio dial, I said, yeah, it had 555. I was seeing fives everywhere. And it was beginning to sort of drive me slightly up the wall. And uh, because I thought, there's something in this, but I don't know what it is. Okay, and so one day we were driving along to a wedding, Heather and I, in our old car, and uh, we were driving down the road uh, kind of up towards Newbury, and suddenly I looked down at, at the mileage, the odometer on the car, and it, right before my eyes, clicks onto 55,555. Okay, more than that. I look at it, and it's, we've been averaging 55 miles an hour since we start off. We've travelled 55 miles. I mean, literally, on this thing, every number was at fives. And I said to Heather beside me, I said, come on, you've got to see that. You have got to admit, that is pretty coincidental. And she kind of looked over and said, yeah, I suppose it is. Anyway, I was kind of like, oh my goodness, I still don't know what this means. I still have no idea what this means, but clearly something's going on. And so anyway, we, we carry on. We were going to a wedding, and we went to the wedding, and then after the wedding, we parted company, and I went off to my dad's house to pick up a caravan, and Heather went home with the kids. And, and I was like driving back with this caravan the very next day, and I'm listening to a podcast in the car, and it's a weird podcast from Bethel, which I, I still don't know how I managed to listen to it to this day because it was, it was a set of testimonies from Mother's Day and it was lots of kind of mums getting up saying how lovely their families were and everything. And I thought, this is lovely, but why am I listening to this? And uh, normally I would have fast-forwarded and kind of, give me something solid, come on. And uh, anyway, I just kept, it was going on in the background and then right at the end, Bill Johnson gets up and said, I just want to share something with you that's been happening to me of late. Everywhere I've been looking, I've been seeing 555s. Five, five, <laughs> and I immediately, <laughs> what? <laughs> Turn the volume up and tune in. And he said, yeah, it's, it's just been quite strange. And actually, he's written about this in his book. I think it's the uh, Testimony of Jesus one, the, whatever that was. Um, but anyway... Um, Releasing the power of Jesus, that's it. It's, it's, there's actually a section in the book where he, where he talks about this now, which I've subsequently found. Um, but he says, I've been seeing these 555s five, five, on the clocks, on the license plates, on the everywhere I'm looking, and, it's, and I keep waking up at 5.55 in the morning. And uh, he said, it all came to a head over this previous weekend where I was away at a conference, and um, I, we were up really late, and God... Uh, you know, I, I was just kind of talking to the Lord before I went to sleep. So I really need to sleep in the, tomorrow morning. I was not going to be there until later. And uh, it was well after midnight. And he crashes out in this hotel room. And, of course, he wakes up. It's dark. And he looks at the clock and said, and it was 5.55. And he just got really cross and lost it with God. You can't imagine that, can you, Bill Johnson? And he, he is so together. But he said, what are you saying to me? And he says, at that moment, he fell into a deep sleep and heard the audible voice of God saying this sentence, which is, the day for the anointing 
for the cancellation of debt is upon you. The day for the anointing, for the cancellation of debt is upon you. And kind of, I'm like, whoa, that's because this is the day after I've seen 55,555 and 55 miles an hour and 55 minutes and 55 miles and everything, everything on the fives and thinking, what are these fives? And then suddenly this clear thing. And I'm just thinking, you know, coincidence-wise, seriously, I had not seen that anywhere. I had not heard about it. It was completely brand new that day. And I thought, that, that is now one of my kind of little milestones in life that when things get difficult, I think, God, this is true. This is true, what's happening here. But the point of it is, it's one of the captivities that is going to get released in this year. And, you know, I'm now, I had my birthday a few weeks ago, and I am in my 55th year now. So my next birthday I'll be 55, so in August next year. So I'm in my 55th year. And, and on that birthday, I was kind of praying to God, and here we are, thinking about raising sort of five million quid or whatever to do some exciting stuff. And we haven't got two beans to rub together. In fact, you know, I'm kind of more under pressure than I've ever been in my life. And I feel like the Lord whispers in, in this 55th year, you are going to see the cancellation of debt come about. And then suddenly I kind of hear all of this stuff that we were talking about last night, the Shemitah, where it's the seventh year, and at every seventh year, all accounts were cancelled in the nation of Israel. Every debt was cancelled. Everyone had to let go every debt. And then the following year, which is... So this is what we're in now. So at six o'clock yesterday, when the sun went down, we entered into that new year. We're in this Sabbath year where debts get cancelled. This is what I'm talking about, the convergence of multiple signs and words all coming together to indicate we're kind of right onto something. And the following year from the Shemitah year, the seventh year, we're on the seventh lot of seven. So beginning next year is the year of Jubilee. And so right at the beginning of the year, at the Feast of... Um, what was it? We were? The Day of Atonement, that's it. The Day of Atonement, they had to blast the trumpet again and it declared the year of Jubilee and every slave was freed, every captive was let go, all land reverted back to who it should own Right, okay, okay. So, yeah, so anyway, all of that's happening and I believe that is what is going to unfold over this year and I felt like the Lord say it was going to be a progressive revelation that came upon us but the cancellation of debt has been released on the land and there are so many people who are called into the ministry, called to go and do great things for God but are held back by provision, held back by mortgages, that they've got to pay debts that they've got to service, credit cards hovering over them like the sword of Damocles, you know, waiting to come down on them, and all of these different things. And the Lord is going to release resources in this time. That is one of the ways that captivity is going to be set free. So that's the second one. So the first one's revelation. The second one's uh, cancellation of debt. The third one is healing. And I feel like 
we've had this word that the healing well is going to spring up from this land and I'm kind of really glad to see Robin and Pirco here who were part of the Pace Green community and I think we might do something uh, with this later on um, because we have often felt, you know, the Post Green community saw a healing well flow in the land back in the kind of late 60s, 70s when it was kind of really, and they were involved when Jean Darnell was here and everything and they saw a massive flow of healing in the land and people came from all over to come to the camps and many people were healed and saved in those days and we believe that well is still there and it's been appointed to us to open it up again and it's going to open up in this season so yeah oh yeah okay scooping they need the pooper scooper to get them off yeah yeah I believe it I believe it I believe like now kind of we're in that thing it is closer than we think okay it's there in fact even I think that little lid has been peeled off and I we've got to start stepping out on it believing that it's there and that well is going to flow but again many people want to do things for God want to go out on adventures want to but are held back by chronic illness in some way back pains knee pains leg pains things that are stopping them having the confidence to really uh, step out and we've, we've seen a year of kind of really being challenged in this area and I think it's because we're going to get that breakthrough this year this year it's going to happen so healing is going to spring up as a follow-on from that, salvation is going to come. You know, when that healing well springs up, it's going to be like when the disciples were fishing all night and hadn't caught a thing. And yet Jesus came along and at his word, they put their nets over the other side and brought in a full catch. It is as a direct result of healing, I think salvation is going to be released. It, that's exactly what Jesus did, you know. He, he went about... Uh, healing all who were oppressed by the devil and uh, as a consequence people were drawn to him people came people came all the time to listen to the word where when he healed people he then said look the kingdom of God's come near you and they repented and believed and so salvation is going to get released and I think we're going to see like large numbers of people coming into the church and as Bryony was saying about her dream across all of the churches and we're all going to have to be helping one another to know how to deal with things and how to cope with things and none of the buildings are going to be big enough and there's going to be a lot of building and um, so that was another scroll kind of having that architectural scroll to be able to get those buildings going and see the finances released in this season as we cope with the numbers that are starting to come in because there's going to be a lot of people that need uh, discipling and finally, with all of this, and I've alluded this to it mainly, it, there's going to be, when we step into these things, there's going to be an end to double-mindedness. You know, that is the primary thing that stops us from moving forward. I really think so. And, you know, revelation is, is going to really help with that when God speaks to us. Because it'll be clear. It'll just be clear. And you'll say, yeah, I know what I've got to do. I'll go and do it double-mindedness 
has like dogged us really because we're, there's all these questions oh has God said this has he not said it um, is it what's going to happen if it goes wrong what am I going to look like what are people going to think there's all this sort of like thinking that goes on in our minds that stops us having the confidence to move forward as these things begin to spring up faith is going to rise up and the people are going to become a, a formidable force we're not going to be thinking, oh, should I, should I go down and talk to Matey at the garage and all of that? That was a great story that Trev told this morning. You didn't hear that, did it? He, he went, go on, say it again, what was it? Yeah, yeah, just about your journaling. Oh, sorry, yeah, well, um, I was looking at my journal from the 25th of September last year, which was the second day I'd ever journaled. I only started the day before. And um, God had said in that that um, he would use me to speak to people and he would send me to speak to people and then he said that um, he would do it and it would that I had to wait for a year before that would happen but I'd forgotten all about it until I read it and it was just amazing really that it's a year and that's when it happened yeah to the day pretty much yeah yeah you ever feel stitched up you like to feel you're in control of your life, don't you? But uh, actually, there's other things going on. Yeah. 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 Boom. Come on, Phil. Preach it. He does. He is faithful. Okay. Let's have contributions from the floor now. Please, sir. <laughs> It, it seems to me that we'll know that double-mindedness has gone and been defeated from our midst when we stop saying this will happen yeah. and we're saying this is happening, yeah. this is now. So we move from future tense to present tense in, yeah. in everything. Yeah. That's true. More thoughts? when you hijack the mic and you preach <laughs> but I leaned over to Mary and I said you know lack of finances does not stop you from doing what God has called you to do lack of faith stops you from doing what you're supposed to do and Bryony said yesterday that it's about consecration right now really consecrating ourselves when God called me to uh, I, I had a house mortgage that I had to pay for I, I had no one else, no money in the bank. I didn't have any way of living, and God called me to preach around the world. And um, and so I did what he said. I obeyed him, and then I had two full-time jobs. I was teaching school, and I was traveling around the world in every spare moment that I had, and I realized I can't keep doing these things. And I, I, I thought, oh, my God, I've got to quit my job. Oh, no. See, it's not the lack of money that was the problem there. And so I, I wrote my resignation to my principal and went into this panic mode. I was so scared. I threw myself down at the altar in the middle of the service, which you do not do there. And, and I'm just going, my God, my God, my God, I can't do this. I better get that letter back. 
and and because uh, my principal's gone, I could get it back. And and uh, I and then all of a sudden, I you know came to my senses and I said, oh oh, I get it, I, I get it. I just need to have faith. You're just going to in- increase my faith so that I can believe that you'll take care of me when I go do this. And and he said so clearly, clear as clear as anything I've ever heard. This has nothing to do with faith. You want me. Uh, to give you faith so that you can keep everything you have. I want you to consecrate everything you have so you have nothing to lose. And I just went, all right, okay, you're my father, you're my husband, I consecrate it all to you. Fear left me, faith hit me like you wouldn't believe, and I've been traveling now almost 20 years, and God has always supplied all of my needs according to his riches and glory. So don't for a minute think that, anything else is stopping you if god's calling you then you you're equipped to do what he's called you to do and just consecrate yourself and obey him (laughs) i think all of us probably have finance stories but when i was stepping out in ministry i had a um we called it a home care group, but we outgrew the home. So we had about 120 people in my group. So we had to move to the church. And uh, and I had a board of directors, and one of the men on my board was had strong opinions about what I should do. And one day I felt the Lord telling me I needed to close that home care group down because I was traveling. The home care group was on... Thursday night, I'd leave at after the meeting, go to the airport and fly and preach and teach all weekend, come home on the Sunday night. Monday, I'd wash my clothes. Tuesday was prayer meeting night. Wednesday was a one day off. Then I'd fly out again. So I was really busy, and I felt the Lord tell me to um, shut down the home care room. So I taught the people, because they're from different churches, you, you've been trained, go back to your churches and do this stuff. And this particular board member came up to me and said, what are you doing? That's your whole source of support. You'll have no money to live on. And I'm no longer paying any tithes because you are out of order. I mean, he scared the liver out of me. And I thought, what am I doing? Then the panic hit. Because until then, I, you know, I just trusted God would take care of me. But I trusted this guy, this man, and his opinions. And I went to the Lord, threw myself on the Lord, just like Judith did. What am I doing? Desperate, I did call her at school, interrupted her. But I felt a confirmation from the Lord to trust him. So I closed the meeting down, and immediately the income to the ministry doubled. And ever since then, God has done financial miracle after financial miracle not without trial we got down to ten dollars in our account at one point but god has been faithful and he will be faithful to you yes do clapping ten dollars we dream of having ten dollars that's nothing so I think we're going to finish up there. We're finishing a bit early, but I think it'd be good to kind of do some praying because, um, and whatever, whatever kind of gets released in the ensuing melee, that um, because we're we're in that place, you know, we're we're inside the city, 
and it's time to go out because the day has changed, the season has changed and the, the Lord has sent his angels. I did actually wake up at 4am this morning to a very loud crash and I could not find out what it was. I got up, I literally, I literally thought kind of something had fallen through the roof or, or something and I woke up and my heart was pounding. It was like adrenaline was going through. I was, it was kind of right out of context in my lovely peaceful dream. And, um, and I can't work out what it was, but I'm, I'm convinced now it was something going on in the spiritual realm. I think those angels are there, those big angels that Judith was talking about. lightning. Whoa, come on. It was. It was. Well, there you go. There you go. So, let's stand. Perhaps, uh, Chris, do you want to tinkle the ivories or are you over there doing stuff?